Thank you for listening to the Bully Pew podcast brought to you by Protestia.com and all of the intrepid troublemakers that work there and our likely troublemaking patron supporters who for only $5.95 support this ministry on a financial level over at Patreon.com forward slash Protestia. We would be honored if you would join the fight with us uh, for the cost of a couple cups of coffee. You can get that done. Um, But either way, we're going to be doing the work that we are doing, and we are glad that you are here. You are riding with me to, uh, uh, really across Denver, like happens quite a bit. Um, You are riding with me. This is going to be a little bit shorter of a show, I'm sure, um, mainly because I just don't have as far to go. So we're going to get right into it. I have been, I guess what I would describe, down the rabbit hole the past week or so. Some of you may know if you follow Protestia, if you listen to Protestia Tonight, which is our kind of our our flagship podcast, so to speak, our flagship uh, video program that we do every week. Um, Some of you may know I had to postpone the topic for Protestia Tonight for this week, and not because we weren't prepared to discuss it, but because there's more um, information coming to light. Um, Some of you may have seen it uh, live a little live that I, I did from my phone just describing that hey you know we're we're, we're canceling the the full program because um, frankly I need the time to digest and work through all of the information that we are receiving uh, on a daily basis at this point that is going to play into this topic the title of the the podcast was going to be uh, about what what we are terming micro cults and it's a it's a new term. I haven't heard it being used before. Maybe somebody has. But this idea that that the internet age, the information age, has really, in a lot of ways, I mean, and we all know this, but I don't think that our, our I don't think internally or emotionally we really understand what we're dealing with to some extent. Um, but basically, the, the internet and the information age has created, in a lot of ways, an alternate reality that we all live in, at least to some extent. And in that alternate reality, um, you know, when you watch a movie or, or even if you read a book, like let's say you're reading a book and you see the, you, you read the text of the book. And then of course your brain fills in the, fills in the details visually. You see things in your mind that are obviously, um, well, not obviously in the moment, but obviously if you step back and think about it, they're creations of your own mind. So the book may not, you know, in the, the characters in the book, um, it may not say overtly in the book exactly what the place looks like or what the characters look like or all of that. Um, there'll be some descriptive terms used if the author is, is good, if they're real good at, at writing um, this kind of narration. Um, they'll be good about giving you some things to work with, but your brain will inevitably fill in the rest, and you will you will you know potentially visualize and uh, emote and try your your brain will fill in the gaps so that you relate to the story in a more natural way than than how you probably should be able to relate to it, considering that it's just text on a page. You know, in the same way, like when we watch TV, you're watching on a two-dimensional screen. And yet, even though the image you're seeing is very clearly flat, you can walk up to it and see that it's flat, your, your brain fills in the rest of the details to, um, 
to reconcile what you're seeing with what you know reality is. So you know from experience and probably just from innate parts of being a human being what reality is like, what relationships are like, what people are like. Um, that's, I mean, the way that we interpret our reality. And, and yet when we're, when we're um, watching a movie, we're reading a book, uh, we're interacting online or something like that, it's very clearly a subset of reality. It's, it's, it's a small piece of reality. It's, it's not even a majority of what you actually um, normally come into contact with in the real world. It's just a snippet of that. And yet your brain and your psyche is unwilling to, your, your emotions, your mind, are they're, they're unwilling to assume, um, to, they're, they're unwilling to stop there. They're unwilling to say, okay, this part of, yeah, like I can deal with 20% of reality here. They, they create the rest. They cre- you build the rest of the story in your own mind and in your own emotions. The rest of what you're seeing be- becomes uh, so that you can interact with it on as a human being. You need the full scope of reality to do that. And so your brain, as, as just, just by nature of what it is and, and by nature of being a human being, it fills in those gaps. So that now you're seeing, um, you're seeing and, and interacting with what seems like a full picture of reality. When in truth, of course, it isn't. It's nothing like that. Uh, it's it's just a, it's a little snippet, and and frankly, this is what part of what makes movies and music and books and things like that so entertaining. We see ourselves in them. We, whether we realize it overtly or not, we are part of the story. We 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 write the rest of it that isn't that can't be fully delivered by the medium that we're that we're um, consuming, and because the, because this is the case. Um, it can be potentially dangerous if it is misused in a much more personal way. So, you know, imagine that you're watching, imagine that you're watching a movie and the movie tells, you know, because it's visual and it's audio and there are characters and there's writing and all of this, it tells a, a, a big, a pretty big percentage of the story. It gives you a pretty big picture of what's going on and you don't have to fill in quite as much, but there are other mediums where you have to fill in more and, and you'll fill in that from your own background, your own personality and your own expectations. And we like doing that. We like involving ourselves. We like reading ourselves into um, or seeing ourselves in the stories and movies and books. We like hearing musical lyrics, even out of context, and trying to connect them to something in our own lives. That's part of why it's appealing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as we, you know, we accept and we understand what's going on. Um, but now we're dealing with the same, it's the same dynamic, the same part of human nature is at play in in social media. And, and if we think traditionally, what is media? Well, media, media is basically publishing information to be consumed by a third party. It's not the same as interpersonal relationships. It is publishing things, reporting things, maybe even, I mean, opinionating and, and, and whatnot in, in a published permanent fashion to be consumed by other people that we don't even know. And it's markedly different from an actual interaction with somebody that you care about or an interaction with somebody who's in your physical presence and in your, in your life in a real way. And so if we say, okay, that's you know, generally what media is, social media is trying to combine that idea, this published, permanent, um, authoritative sort of idea 
with social interaction or casual interaction, interpersonal casual interaction that doesn't have a published permanence normally. Part of the reason that a conversation with somebody in person um, can be more casual and natural and um, it, it, it just it works better for our emotions in a lot of ways is because we know that it's not permanent. We know that if we slip up and we say something that isn't quite right, um, we say something exactly the, the, you know, not the way that we want to, we can always adjust for it. We also know that the person that we're interacting with is getting a much more complete version of what we're trying to uh, communicate. So they not only are there words, but they can see the look on our face. They can hear the tone in our voice. Uh, even you know, listening to the listening to this podcast as you are here, even the tone of my voice can help um, get information across to you that may not be available um, in the written word, right? It, and and it tends to go that way a little bit uh, uh, with video and audio content, where it's a it's tends to be a little bit more casual. There's a little bit more grace given with exactly how something is said or done. Um, usually, generally speaking, for normal people, you know, if people that I would argue are, are well balanced and, and understanding people, um, it tends to uh, we, we tend to give the benefit of the doubt a lot more uh, with video and audio because, like, we expect someone to say something multiple times and for it to be really well confirmed like that uh, before we really think that oh, that's their official position on something. Um, and that's, that's, that's just kind of, that's, that's kind of how it works where, where written word, we kind of hold people to that. Like hey, you had every opportunity to craft this, to say exactly what you wanted to say. It's part of the reason that I like writing more than I like doing video and audio, because it's, I can be very, very careful and clinical about how I want to say something and make sure that, that my, that my point is fully understood and defensible where, you know, I, I may say something on this podcast. It's not exactly how I want to frame it, and and because it's permanent, because it's it's like you know it'll it'll if I don't if I don't delete it or something like that, which I don't, um, it it can always be held against me. That's why they, I mean, police will tell you that, right? And you know, when when they uh, read you your Miranda rights, everything you say can and will be used against you. You know, they, they make it very clear because it's the right thing to do that they're going to be adversarial. And the same kind of dynamic is true with, with, with social media, although we don't realize it. So, I mean, the, the, the term social media is a bit of a misnomer. Um, I'm, I'm not willing to say that it's necessarily paradoxical, but it's certainly, uh, it, it, it's certainly you're, you're combining two things that have fundamental differences with one another and trying to put them together. And when you leave it to, to people who are using social media to decide what they're going to believe about it, they will, again, they'll fill in the gaps. They'll make it, in their own minds, they'll make it natural. They'll make it fit how they want to interact. The problem is it's not that way. The problem is that it's not real relationships. Um, there, is no, there is no interaction. There is no um, compromise, potentially. And at the same time, there is, an, there is an impression that when you see something online, you see something published, and that's what it is, published, you know, it, it, uh, you know aside from um, interaction with it later, you know, deleting or whatever, it's permanent. It, it lives forever. Human interaction, social interaction is not supposed to be that way. 
you, we are not supposed to be worried in natural interpersonal re, uh, relationships, having a casual conversation, a social conversation, that everything we, we said can and will be used against us at some point. And so we have, we have this tug of war going on in our own minds while we're using social media because our minds want to think it's natural. We, again, we fill in the gaps. The, the, the companies that, uh, you know, social media companies promote this idea that it's natural interaction, that it's, that it's how it's supposed to be. That they promote the idea that it's social interaction that's even better now because now not only do you, can you like talk to people like you would in real life, but you can share pictures and video and, and, and all these things and you can, you can put emojis on it and it's, you know, they, they sell it like a hyped up version, um, a, almost a more real version of real interaction when it's, it's nothing like that. It's a, it's a fake it's a fake reality. And our mind, the problem is our minds don't know the difference. I think if, if you think very um, carefully and critically about your own social media interaction, you'll know that this is true. That you're, you cannot, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to convince your brain, your mind, um, when you see, especially people you might know in real life, but even any, any, anybody, you see their interaction online, it's almost impossible to convince your mind that it isn't real. Because A, you know there's a real person behind the expression, um, but B, you, you, are not, you're, you, you are not designed to interact with half human beings, quarter human beings. You know, when you read, read a news article or watch a, you know, a, a news program, a video, something like that, a magazine article, whatever it is, published media content. Um, yeah, you know, you know that there's a person behind, um, that content. There's somebody who wrote it and they have their own life and their own emotions and their own story and their own, uh, values and all of this. You know, that, that you know, that this, that what you're reading represents a very small snippet of that person. If, if at all, yeah, they got a job to do. They're putting out information, um, and they're putting a byline on it to, to give themselves credit. But their goal is not, when you read a news article, the, the goal of the, of the news writer, of the reporter, whoever it is, the, their goal is not to put themselves out there. They're, they're not trying to be part of the story. And now those lines are, are, are almost, almost eliminated. You know, story writers are part of the story, and they all know it. You know, activist journalism is the only kind of journalism anymore because the information age has destroyed that that, uh, those barriers. And so anyone that comes along and, 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 and says to you, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm just an objective journalist and, and I don't really have a dog in the fight. They're, they're lying at this point. I mean, that, that, that's not even possible because the medium itself has changed. And the, the, the problem with social media is this is combined, these interactions, these partial interactions that our brain makes, you know, creates full interactions, uh, from, also includes people that we, we may know in real life. And we know, we might actually know this person in real life as more than just a Facebook post or a Twitter, uh, um, uh, a tweet or something like that, right? We, we know that they exist in real life. And so, I mean, just to throw out an example, let's, let's just say that I see, uh, you know, a post on social media from my grandma and she says, um, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. I, I, I read that in light of knowing the real person in real life. And so that, that's a confirmation of what my brain is already prone to do. 
because like I don't have to create the backstory or the person behind the post because I know the person behind the post exists and I know the person behind the post you know on a personal level when I see a, a similar post on Facebook or something like that from somebody else's grandma I don't know who she is um, but my brain is not programmed to interact with 20% of a person in any case so I'm going to fill in the 80% or you know, whatever the percentages are. I'm going to fill in the rest that I don't know about this other person's grandma. I've, I've never met her in my life. I have no idea who she is. I don't know what she believes, what she thinks, uh, what she values, any, any little parts of her personality. I, I'll just fill it in. I'll make assumptions. And I just do this automatically. It's not something I overtly do. My brain just does it for me. It fills in the backstory behind somebody else's grandma so that the post that I'm reading, the interaction on there um, is feels natural to me. We all do this. This is, this is how this works. Um, it's the same way, you know, when you see, when you see a silhouette um, that looks vaguely human, um, you'll think that it's human. You will, because that's the only thing that makes sense. Your brain has to make sense of, of the inputs you're receiving. And unfortunately, with, with social media, that, cre- that creates a, an, an environment, in our, again, in our own brains, because it's not a real place. It's just a communication device. You know, like Facebook and Twitter aren't places. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a mirage of a place created by ones and zeros on computer servers. Um, but it's why when we, when we interact with that stuff, it feels, it feels much, much, much more real than it actually is. And that makes it very, very dangerous unless we make deliberate choices to, to control that. (coughs) And the the funny thing is it's, it's the older generation. It's the, the baby boomer generation and things like that, that, um, that simultaneously seem to have the, the most, uh, innocent and naive, interactions online but at the same time they probably have the safest distance from it because they 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 have they haven't taken it upon um they they haven't given it the same status as their natural um social interactions i mean and 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 i'm generalizing here obviously but the 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 reason that i'm that i've you know gone through this little this little diatribe about understanding this is because the, in in the case of what we're terming micro cults, um, the the quote unquote place of the internet um, and social media and things is it allows it allows the same kind of abusive dynamics, the same kind of deception, the same kinds of um, uh, manipulation to occur, you know, that, that would occur in a regular cult, you know, like the Branch Davidians or something, or the Moonies or whatever it is. Um, on a small, a small scale, it, like it's legitimately a tiny scale, and yet in the in the minds, in the brains of, um, in the emotions of the people that fall for this, it's very real and it's very big and it's just as big as any other any other reality. Um, but it's 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 a mirage, you know. Because we, I mean, we would say like you know, the you just take the yeah, take the Branch Davidians as an example. So they have their compound in Waco, and they have, and they have David Koresh. And he has real people there, and he's teaching them real false doctrine in person. Um, you know, coercive, manipulative, abusive kind of, you know, cult. What we would consider, you know, regular cult-like behavior, if you can even say such a thing, um, <laughs> but cult-like behavior happening 
in person in a real physical place. Well, now um, our brains and our emotions in a lot of ways exist in a fake, a, a mirage, a fake place. You know, social media creates a, a, and the internet, the information age allows us to create fake places, fake environments that emotionally speaking are every bit as real to us as the world that we physically occupy. And so the micro cultist is, it's, it's a phenomenon where it's the same, it's the same sort of abusive, uh, uh, manipulative, coercive uh, uh, behavior happening on just basically within the person's mind who subscribes to this kind of thing, who follows these kind of people. And the, 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 the problem is that the people that are their adherents, the people that uh, are their enemies, the people who um, uh, you know, are just, just kind of seeing what they're doing, they have no real way to gauge the scale of any of it. Um, this is, I mean, the same dynamic has been true with the information age for, is, you know, especially in the modern internet for you know, basically as long as it's been around. I mean, how many stories of people that have basically been able to make uh, careers for themselves um, because they're able to, you know, multiply in an exponential way their influence and their reach. And that's, that's not in and of itself a bad thing, but we have to be cognizant of the information age's dynamics and its ability to reshape reality. And, and I mean, you know, mankind hasn't changed. Our sinful nature is still the same. Um, modern modern mankind, you know, present day mankind is not somehow more enlightened than our than our ancestors. We're not somehow more capable. Of, you know, our human nature is still our human nature. We just have more advanced technological tools by which to express that human nature. And so, the, in the same way that, traditionally speaking. Um, you might have some, like a Jim Jones thing, which, you know, like standard cult-like behavior. Um, now that, I mean, you, we have cults that are centered around one person. And even that person themselves may not, even that person themselves may not be fully aware of what's being done to them by the nature of the medium. Yeah, they, they might actually, and, I, and I'm convinced that there are plenty of cult leaders that actually believed what they were saying. It was obviously false, you know, and, and, and combinations of demonic influence and, and um, you know, and their own, maybe their own, you know, you know mental uh, issues and things like that. Obviously, sin uh, was running amok, um, and, and they were fully given over to it. Um, but I'm convinced that some of them didn't know. Like, if you, if you had uh, asked David Crush to, pass, to, to take a lie detector test... Would he have told you his false things and not trip the test because he really believed what he was saying? I, I, I think there's an argument to be made for that, and it's probably more pervasive in some ways with these with these micro cults. And you know, I realize I keep talking about this without naming names and examples, but we're going to get there. I just want to set the stage for how this happens, why this happens, and I realize. By the way, I realize the irony. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not unaware of the irony that I'm telling you about this. Um, I'm telling you about this from the internet <laughs> through, a, through a communication medium. You don't, and there are things you can know about me uh, um, just you know by the, by the sheer volume of, of what we've put out there. Um, but you can't know me in, in the same way that uh, uh, my family does, or my tr- my local church does, um, or my, my my community, or my my people that I work with, or whatever. Obviously, 
that's true. So, but, but we need to be, I, hopefully we can be self-aware about this. Like I, I understand that, um, you may listen to this and say, well, I totally disagree with him. I still, I still like his stuff, I, but I disagree. You might listen to this and say, uh, I disagree with him and I think he's an idiot. So I'm going to quit listening to his stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Um, but, but what you can't, what you actually can't do, and I think this is something we need to be aware of, is you can't say, uh, I hate that guy. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't like David Morrill. You know, you, what you don't like, if, if that's what you say, is, you know, and, and possibly the other way. I mean, we could put the shoe on the other foot and say, if you say, I like David Morrill, what you're really saying is, I like uh, what he is doing, you know, it's what, what he's doing right now on the internet and providing is valuable to me. But you don't know me personally. Um, we have we have no skin in the game in a lot of ways because we practically can't, you know. We, we, unless you happen to go to church with me, and then, you know, or you happen to be a member of my family, then yeah, we're gonna have skin in the game together, and that's a little different. But the majority of the people that hear this are, are you know, we're not in that category with each other. It's not a problem. Um, but we we have to keep that in mind because the tendency is to is to like when we interact on social media. We interact on the internet. The tendency is to, again, to fill in the gaps and make it fully real. And this is the danger. Because now, I mean, you know, you guys have probably seen, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but, you know, online haters, I guess, or people that, that are that are making, you know, derivative, uh, you know, self-reinforcing, uh, self-replicating content um, that's all about how much they hate protesting or they hate David Morrill or they hate whoever. And they're like, okay. And, and the, the temptation, I can see it with myself, the temptation is to personalize it, fill in the gaps, and actually assume that they're attacking me personally, that they hate me personally, that they're hurting me personally. But I, then I have to step back and realize, well, they don't even know me. What they're saying is, I, I don't like you know what he said, or I don't like his content, or even if they're saying that, which I'm not convinced they are, but even if they're saying that, it's 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 one step removed from the person that I actually am and that my real life, it's the work that I'm doing that they hate. And yet they'll, they'll personalize it and they'll say, I hate so-and-so instead. And my temptation will be to hear that and assume that that's what they're actually saying when in reality they, they, they're not even capable of saying that. You can't say, I hate David Morrill if you don't know David Morrill. You can say, I hate David Morrill and be talking about the, you know, David's persona um, or his, his interactions online, things he said, you know, even even the way he speaks or the way he does a podcast or video, that's okay, fine. You know, everybody's everybody has a right to their own opinion. To the extent that, that Protestia is addressing these things, we try very, very, very hard, and don't, don't always get it right, but we try to keep it focused on the content and the ideas and the doctrine because that's really, you know, like, like if I criticize Stephen Furtick, I don't know Stephen Furtick. Like, we're not buds. We didn't, you know, I don't go to his church. Um, I don't know him personally. All I can adjudicate and judge is what's being said or what's being preached, the ideas being put forth. Um, that, that's all that can really be done. And so I would hope, you know, that, that anybody that we criticize online can step back and look at what we're criticizing rather than who we're criticizing. You'd hope that that would be the case. Now that now, Scripture very clearly indicates that with false teaching, we are to mark the teacher, for sure. Um, that is in a little bit different category. But regular social interaction is not usually about me saying so and so that I disagree with on Facebook is a false teacher. 
It's usually just, hey, they said this. This was wrong. This wasn't. This was unbiblical. This was a. This was a bad teaching. Um, enough of that, and you might say false teacher, but you also have to weigh the influence. And the problem is, again, the, the information age makes it. It makes it so difficult to judge actual influence and what's real and what isn't real. How many how many companies have we seen who have um, made major corporate changes and and fired people and changed advertising strategies and all these kind of things based off of what what they what they're un, unable to tell. Um, you know, they, they get bad feedback or they get people complaining or threatening boycotts or whatever, and the company is unable to tell how serious of a complaint this really is. This happens all the time. And if I, I would argue if you step back and look at reality, you, you usually find that it's one or two noisy malcontents that are, that are they manage to sway a lot of influence because we, we just can't tell. And I say we can't tell. I, I hope that if you're listening to this and if you follow us for enough time that you're thinking about these things and you really try to keep it in perspective. Um, but certainly there, there's been a storied history the last 10 years or so of companies and big institutions and things making major changes off of what they can't actually, uh, off of the influence of something uh, the size of which they can't actually verify. Um we do this, like I said at the beginning, we do this emotionally, um, and we, we create, we create, uh, we fill in the gaps, and that's what, this is how micro cults take advantage of the people that they do, it's, it's honestly, it's how they're able to wield influence, because we, we just don't know if they have any influence, we assume they do, because publishing things gives it authority, it gives it permanence, and, and permanent communication um, psychologically, emotionally for us has more authority and, and this is human nature by the way it has more authority than casual conversation casual interaction it should be that way, that makes sense but the information age has blurred the lines between those two things to make what would ordinarily be um, permanent, published uh, conse- consequence bearing communication it's thrown into the realm of casual conversation and so we're trying, we're trying to interpret, and, and the problem is it's a double-edged sword. So we see casual communication and we give it more weight than it should have because it's permanent now. It's, it's, it's codified for all time on Facebook servers or Instagram servers or whatever, Twitter servers. So we, we give casual conversation a lot more weight than we should. And, and at the same time, we take, um, uh, published, com- published, uh, Material published interactions, and we let it affect us personally. We give we give um, published conversations, media, you know, traditional what seems like traditional media, whether it is or not, we give it emotional weight in our own lives that really only belongs to personal. Um, I know you, you know me interactions. We we so we we give we give the social the casual stuff more more uh, weight than it should um, and we give the and we give the official published stuff because because the lines are blurred access to our emotions access to our 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 personhood in a way that's really only appropriate for people that are closest to us you know imagine imagine your spouse or your family um, those closest to you obviously they have more access to you emotionally they have more ability to hurt you 
They have more trust with you. That's normal. That's 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 normal human interaction, where you know a reporter at the New York Times or whatever doesn't have that access. You know they are communicating with you. They 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 publish something and you read it and you take it in, but they don't have access to how you feel about it really or your reactions or things. Um, now, with the way that things are at this point, um, they kind of do in some ways. Because we, we, it's difficult for us to um, draw a firm line between, okay, that's journalism, that's media, that's the press, traditionally speaking, um, published permanent communication that's widespread, and a communication that really, it, it, it looks like both. It looks like, a, uh, it looks like published media. It's permanent. It has authority because it exists um, out, it, it's not temporal in the way that our normal communication is, and yet it's about us. It's about us, and and there, that really, um, unless you're initiated into into this kind of world, and, and you really um, are able to frame it correctly, it can have really damaging effect on people. It really harms people, and I mean there there's a reason. I mean, online bullying is effective with with people that do it um, because it's such an effective tool to get at somebody. And it works. It works for kids, but it also can work with adults. It works with with grown people. Um, and this, this is, I think, this is this is something that bears, especially in within the Christian conversation and within committed believers and and churchmen. Um, we we need to figure this out. This needs to be, you know, this needs to be figured out in a way that, um, hopefully, we can lessen the danger lessen the the teeth of of this this new exciting but very dangerous um tool known as the internet known as social media um it is it has a lot of potential to harm people and we've seen it happen um some of the things that 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 people have brought to our attention at protestia have been um i mean literally made me sick to my stomach and it, it's and it's just the worst part about it is I know, I know that in reality, like in the real world, it's fictional what we're talking about. It's a mirage, it's fake, and yet in the in the minds, the hearts, the emotions of the people it's affecting, it's very real. It's very you know it's 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 very real the fear that you feel when um, somebody online is attacking you by name relentlessly. Because the, in most cases, they're not even attacking you. They don't know you. They're, just, they're, they're attacking your name and who they think you are, and they're trying to they're, they're trying to smear your reputation with with other gullible people that might come across it and think, oh, I guess if so and so thinks they're bad, they must be bad. And then your your fear, your primal fear, is that it will snowball and everybody will think that you're bad. But in rea- in in the real world, this this is all fake. It's a mirage. Your online persona um, and your online interactions don't actually they're not actually connected with your real life i mean i know we feel like they are and and sometimes there are people we interact with online that we interact with in the real world but more and more that's that's not how it works and yet in our in our minds and our emotions it's very real and it's very hurtful and i think i would argue it has just as much if not more ability to uh to harm people than real world anger real world disagreements you know real world arguments um, 
the the parts of our human nature, the the really the, the darker parts, the narcissistic parts, the selfish parts, um, the hateful parts, they find um, there are no guardrails on that online in a lot of ways. You know, you get into an argument with somebody in real life, and the consequences are real to the point where um, they act as guardrails on our behavior. But as soon as you as soon as you remove the the face-to-face interpersonal, um, you know, sympathetic, empathetic parts of the interaction, um, things can go get really, really nasty, really, really fast. And we can say, and it's true that it isn't real because it's online. And there's, there's a lot of that that's true, but in our minds, it's real. Again, we paint in the gaps, we fill in the gaps. We take, you know, so-and-so says, I hate David Morrill online, and my brain says, I know who David Morrill is. I know his life and his family and all this. It's me. And so I, I, I fill in the conclusion. And then emotionally, I, I'm telling myself, oh, that this person that said, I hate David Morrill, they actually hate everything about me. They hate you know, who I am and my values and my family and my history and what's important to me and all this kind of stuff. It's like they don't know any of that stuff. But my brain convinces, tries to convince me um, that they do because they've said my name. Again, I fill in the gaps. I make it real for myself, and we all do this. And so just, you know, I, I, would, I would caution us to all be very, very, very careful about how much authority in our lives and in our, our day-to-day that we're giving to this stuff. It's no harm to step away from it. People act like, if I'm not on social media, I'm going to miss something. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> At least you're not going to miss something that you can't just find later or deal with later. Um, it's all, it's largely a mirage. Largely a mirage. And we we do ourselves a disservice and we open ourselves up for a lot of, of hurt and potentially for sin if we allow ourselves to give social media um, the same uh, access to our reality that we give the real world. I mean, how many, how many people do you interact with on social media that if they stopped interacting 100%, they just quote unquote fell, fell off the face of the digital earth. Would you even notice? Not only would you not notice it, even if you did notice it, you'd have to admit this is not really affecting my life. I even know that person. In fact, you might be saying, man, good for them. They were able to, they were able to disconnect from this. <laughs> You know, I, I try to use social media at this point just for the purposes of um, getting out the, 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 the information that we need and, and, and hopefully providing some good discussion for issues, but not for the purpose of um, trying to uh, live in the digital world. It's not actually, so for me, it's not social particularly, it's just media. <laughs> and, and, and I would say, you know, to the extent that you can also do that and say, hey, if there's a media purpose for this, if, if it's helping me to, to, to see the news and what's going on and, and work through issues, great. Um, but I'm not going to be relying on it for uh, uh, social interaction. That's that's the danger zone. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, stay tuned. We, we will be talking about flushing this out a lot more, hopefully with some, some really... Um, hard-hitting real-world examples of what's going on in this this little this seedy underworld of micro cults um, um new examples coming to me you know kind of and being sent to us 
um, pretty regularly. So stay tuned to protestia.com. Thank you for listening to the Bullet Pew podcast. I am your host, David Morrill. Um, yeah, if you search for me online, go find some I Hate David Morrill videos. They're out there. <laughs> no, don't do that. Please do not waste your time doing that kind of stuff. Um, but as, as always, you know where to find us. If you have questions about what you're, what we're saying, if this has been valuable to you, please share it. Um, certainly, uh, if anybody is interested in helping keeping this ministry going on a financial level, we are very blessed, uh, when, when you join that way. Now, keep in mind, I've, I've said this more times than I can count, but people still keep missing it. Uh, I don't take any money from Protestia. I don't make, make any money on this. This is not my job. Uh, I have a job in the real world with my with my real coworkers and uh, the the real people around me, and uh, so and and I love them. And while I love you, certainly for listening to this podcast, uh, that love is different. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Um, but again, I don't take any money from this. So. If someone wants to try to throw it back in our face and say, he's just trying to do this for likes and clicks and blah, 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 blah. Um, no, I make zero dollars on, on Protestia. That is, that is, that is, that is my pledge. And if that ever has to change, which, um, God, God willing, it doesn't have to change. Um, I will be the first to tell you the, I will be trans, 100% transparent about that. You can always ask. So if you're, if you're ever curious to, as to why we're doing what we're doing, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, easiest way is on Patreon. Obviously, messages on Patreon is the easiest way because we have to prioritize. Everybody's got 24 hours in the day. We've got to prioritize our time. It's going to be, first and foremost, those that are uh, uh, financially supporting what we're doing. I think that that's, that's reasonable. I hope you can understand that. But we'll try. I mean, I'll try to get to anything. So even if you are not um, can't financially support it or you don't want to or whatever, but you're asking a fair-minded um, uh, question or something like that, we will. I will try my best to answer it. No, no promises that I will get to it because you know what happens. I get inundated sometimes, but but we will try. Anyway, hope you have a a good weekend here. Hopefully, I can get this this. I'm recording this on Saturday. Hopefully, it can be up um, today or possibly tomorrow, um, Sunday. Go to church, worship with the saints, um, and be obedient and uh, uh, walk the walk for the glory of God. We'll see you next time. As always, semper reformandum.